0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. So folks, listen. This is the word of Christ. Now the Lord said to Abram, "'Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great.'" So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is the word of Christ. So today, this is the beginning of a new series. The, this series is actually going to define us as a church for the next year. Okay, every year in the fall, we have what we call our fall kickoff, which is the beginning of a new ministry year. We run from fall all the way through summer um, as our ministry year, sort of fall as a school year. Um, Today is our fall kickoff, and we are going to focus, we're going to kick off our ministry by describing the ministry theme for the year. And again, this is the theme that is going to define us as a church from now through uh, the summertime. This year's ministry theme, pause for effect, it's the title of the sermon. The ministry theme is Blessed to Be a Blessing. Okay, it's blessed to be a blessing. This is the theme that's going to govern everything that we do as a church over the next year. And there's really, there's two components to it. Okay, there's the first word, and then there's the ending phrase. Uh, This year, we want to tangibly, practically, and daily experience the blessings of God. I want every single one of you, over the course of this year, to deepen your experience of God's blessings. So that you, that every single one of you would say, I am blessed. Okay? That's the first part of it. Um, And we also want to be a blessing to others. Right? That is part of the reason. We want to live in ways where we can share the blessings that we receive with other people. With other Christians in the family. um, And with those who are outside. With non-Christians who are outside the church. Okay, and so this is what we are going to be all about this year, blessed to be a blessing. And to kick this off today, we're going to look at a portion of the life of Abram. Okay, Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham, but here he's named Abram. And uh, the first thing that I want you to see here, this is by way of introduction, is that our ministry theme comes right out of the Bible. Okay, the theme for this year comes right out of the Bible. You probably saw it, I don't know if you noticed it, but look at verse 2. There, God is talking to Abram, and he says, I will bless you. See that? He says, I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Okay, so you see it right there. Blessed to be a blessing. Abram was blessed by God so that he would be a blessing to others. So much so, look at verse 3. At the end of verse 3, it says, God says, and in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, God wants every single one of us, every single one of you, to understand these verses, to know them, to experience these verses, and then to have them describe our lives. Okay, as we see God in this passage enter into Abram's life, we're going to see how God enters into our lives as well. Okay, there's a little bit that we know about Abram um, that uh, before God shows up here in this passage. Um, the paragraph right before this one, in Genesis chapter 11, in verses 27 to 32, it says that Abram was living with his father, with his brother, and with his nephew. Okay, so Abram was within the family. In Genesis 13, the next chapter after ours, in verse 2 it says, Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Okay, so again, just filling out the picture, we can see Abram's life was good. He had wealth. He had the security of family. But something for Abram was very, very wrong. In Genesis 11, verse 29, it says, it says the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. In verse 30, it says, now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Okay, now, this was a huge deal. This was a very big deal. In the culture back then, children were literally your social security and your future. Okay? They were your social security and your future. Yeah, I know some of y'all are laughing because you're thinking, boy, I'm so glad it's not that way today. And yeah, who knows, right? Where are we heading? Who knows? Um, boy, there's a whole series we could do just on that. Maybe we should. Boy, maybe... I mean, this is why God tells us to train up our children in the way they should go, right? They don't always listen, but... Um, The point was, so they were social security and they were your future, because in that culture, most of your identity was wrapped up in your reputation, in what people thought about you, in what you had accomplished, and in your character. Now, the way, the the main way that your reputation or your family's reputation would carry on was through children who would continue to bear the family name. And so without children, Abram's name is in jeopardy. Abraham's future is in jeopardy, right? Childless couples, they didn't have somebody to take care of them in their old age. Uh, And then after death, when religion sort of came into the picture, again, this is before Abraham had a relationship with God, but the children were responsible to perform the religious rites after death that enabled their parents to pass into the afterlife where they wanted to go. And if you didn't have children, you could get stuck in the afterlife, and so, so this is Abram's life when God speaks to him. Okay? And I would suggest that for us, in our day and age, this is often the same thing for us when God shows up in our lives. Right? Can you relate to Abram? I mean, you think about it. He's got some things that are going really well. He's, really, he's rich in livestock, in gold and in silver. And yet for him, his future is nonexistent. You know, if, if Abram's life were a cup, you know, I don't know if you can see this, but there's some water in here. My guess is that Abram's probably looking at himself thinking, like, I'm half empty. Or maybe a quarter empty. You know, certainly Abram wouldn't describe himself and have a life that he felt like was full. How are you feeling today? Is your cup half empty? Is your cup empty? Are you running dry? This is when God shows up. And often, it's when we get a sense of how our cup is. When our our sense is that our cup is low, that we will sort of turn our thoughts back to God. Sometimes those are the times when we're more receptive um, to what God might want to do in our lives. We might be able to hear God's call. Well, that's what we're going to see today. As God calls Abram, you are going to get a chance to hear God call you. And as we see Abram's response, you today are going to get an opportunity to respond to that same call. And so we're going to see three things. We're going to see the cost, the promise, and the call of God. Um, so let's look first at the cost. At the cost, we could summarize uh, the cost um, of God's uh, that the, the God put on Abram's life by just you know, with the word "go." With the word go. So, if you want to write a word on that line, that first line, just write the word go. This is verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, so God comes to Abram and gives him really a threefold go. All right, look at verse 1. He says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Okay, so go from your country means leave what's familiar, right, go from your kindred means leave what's comfortable. And go from your father's house means leave what's safe. This is what God is calling Abram, where God's calling Abram to go. And so I was thinking about that, right? What if God did that for us? What if God came to you and said, okay, I want you to go? I want you to leave your family's protection and help. No more help from them. I want you to leave your house, your friends, and your job. And I want you to leave your country. I want you to go to North Korea. Would you go? It's so easy to read these words. Right? But when you try to personalize them, this is significant. This is what God is calling Abram to do. This is a daunting image an incredibly high cost with huge, huge risk. I think there's two reasons why someone might go. I think you might go if you were afraid not to go. You know, If the one who was telling you to go was so threatening that you were so afraid that if you didn't go, he would destroy you. That might make you go. Sometimes I think that that is what religion conveys about God. God says, go, and if you don't, I'm going I'm to beat you. Or I'm going to crush you. That's religion. That is not the God of the Bible. That is not the God of the Bible. That is not the image or the impression that you get of God from these verses. This is not who God is. I think the other reason you might go is if you were able to trust the one who told you to go. Right, if you can trust the one who says go, go do this crazy thing. Go do this risky thing. Go um, if you were if you trusted the one who was telling you, if you trusted the God who was telling you to go, I think you might go. That's the picture I think that we get of God in the Bible. For you or Abram to get to that place of trusting God, you would probably ask at least one question. Why? Right? Why? Some of you have a sense of trust in God, but if God were to show up and tell you to do this, you might still say... Lord, okay, I I want to follow you, but could you just fill me in a little bit so that I can be wholeheartedly in on this, right? Why, God, why do you want me to go? And God's answer is almost always, because I have incredible plans for your life. I have incredible plans for your life. Jeremiah 29 11, the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Amen. That is comfort. Like that is someone, if you, can, if you can believe the God who says it, that's the kind of thing that makes you trust and say, I'm still nervous. This is still freaking me out, but God, I'm going to follow. Because I know that you have plans not for evil, but for good. Plans to prosper me and give me a hope and a future. So God tells Abram the why in verse 2. He says, I will make of you a great nation. Right? In Abram's life, God wants to start something brand new here in human history. Okay? If you're reading along in the story of Genesis... All of the nations of the earth have just been dispersed and separated from one another. But now God is choosing one person to create a new nation. And he wants this one nation to bring his light and his blessings to the rest of the nations. And so God is going to take an active role as Abram's God and father. God is going to be his teacher and his guide. And so in order for Abram to succeed to become this great nation, in order for Abram to become a person who can lead a great nation, God needs Abram to start over. So you want to know why, Abram? Why do I have to go? Why do I have to leave father, kindred, and country? It's because God is saying, I need you to go. I need, the cost for Abram was to leave everything that would hinder him from becoming this new nation. Okay, the cost is to go from anything that keeps us from becoming what God wants us to become. Because it works for us, too. Right, in our lives, God goes to incredible lengths to help us trust him. Okay, it's interesting because, actually, when God comes to earth... To issue the call, to to, to issue to us this same same experience that he gave to Abram, God doesn't actually say go. What God does is that when, when God comes to us in Jesus, Jesus doesn't say go, Jesus says, come. Jesus says, come to me. And follow me. Folks, you've got to understand the grace and the goodness of Jesus. Jesus stands before you and doesn't say, look, I want you to go and do that. Okay, Jesus says to you right now, I want you to come to where I've been. I'm not asking you to do anything that I have not done myself. And you need to know that if you make a decision to come and follow me, my power, my blessings will fill your life as you make efforts to follow me. And so Jesus will ask you to consider the cost. And he will say, if there is anything in your life that would keep you from following me. I'm going to ask you to leave those things behind. Typically what that means for us is that with our cups, be they full, be they empty, or halfway, like this is us emptying. It's emptying our cups as we come to Jesus so that he can work with us and start new. This is the cost. Now, why would anybody say yes to this? Yes to pouring out their cup. Yes to... If you're happy with the level, if you're not happy with the level, if you're happy with what's filling your cup or not, why would you ever give up even what, you, what little you have? I think the only way that anybody would trust Jesus enough that when he says come to follow is his promise. And this is our second point. We've seen the cost. Second is the promise. And the promise is... The blessings of God. It's the blessings of God. God knows what he's asking Abram to do. He's asking Abram really to give up everything. And so he offers Abram the ultimate blessing. You can see it. It's in verses 2 and 3. There are seven blessings in these verses. It's sort of worked out in your bulletin there. Each blessing separately, the way that God describes them, so that you can number them. Okay, look at that. It just says, God says, and I will make of you a great nation. That's first. Second, I will bless you. Third, I will make your name great. Fourth, so that you will be a blessing. Fifth, I will bless those who bless you. Sixth, him who dishonors you, I will curse. And seventh, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In the Bible, seven is the number of perfection. God is saying to Abram. God is saying I'm going to offer you perfect blessings. I'm going to fill your life and touch every part of your life with my blessings. You know and so as Abram has emptied himself of the blessings, God says, the reason I'm asking you to do this is because I want to fill you up. I want to bless you. I want to make your name great right him who blesses you i will bless i want to make you a blessing and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed you see that i just made a mess how else could we describe the blessings of god This is what it looks like when God makes a promise to you. God promised Abram nation, name, and protection. I'll make of you a great nation, verse 2. A nation's a large population governed by a ruler and a a constitution. And so into Abram and Sarai's barrenness, into their no future, God says, I'm not just going to give you a child. I'm going to make of you a nation. God says, I'm going to give you a great name. Abram, I am going to make it so that you will have a reputation for you and your family that will be unparalleled in human history. And protection. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And so God is saying, and it's really interesting here, this is deeply personal. Personal. With Abram and God. This isn't God saying, if you do this, you'll be blessed. God is saying, go Abram, do this, and I will bless you. I will be with you. It's about a personal relationship with God. And you think here, I mean, this is exactly what Abram wanted, right? He longed for a child, and God gave him that plus more. He longed for a name, and God gave him that plus more than he could ever ask or think, right? He wouldn't even conceive of even asking for something like this, but that's how God blesses That's how God blesses. And the cost, really, it's a test of faith, right? That cost to go. It's asking Abram, do you trust me? And the promise that comes, the promise so far outweighs the cost, if you trust. If you trust. And so for you, God offers you the same blessings. Okay, the blessings of nation. When you believe in Jesus, you join his family, which is this incredibly huge worldwide family that fills every nation. You get a name. God puts his own name on you. Right? In some senses, according to Scripture, the only name that's bigger than Abram's is God's. And when you trust in Jesus, you are baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Which means God puts his name on you so that you have all of the rights, all of the privileges, and all the blessings of being in the family of God. And then protection. When you commit to following Jesus, Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you every step of the way. I will give you strength. I will give you courage. I will give you boldness. I will give you love. I will give you patience. I will give you understanding. These are some of the blessings that Jesus pours out on us. I will protect you and defend you. If God is for you, no one can be against you. These are the promises that we get. And so you think about this, God's gifts are exactly what we crave. You know, so many of us, we live for all sorts of things, but deep down, what we crave is security, well-being, relationships. We want prosperity, and these are things that God blesses us with. And so the question for us is, how do you get these things? How do you get these blessings from God? Well, verse 1, for Abram, it meant going. Abram was to go. For us, this means come. You come to Jesus. That's step one. How do you get this? You come to Jesus. Commit to following him in your life. Every area of your life that you commit to Jesus, in that area of your life, you will receive his blessings. That's how it works. If you hold areas of your life back, what you're saying is, Jesus, I don't want you in my this area of my life. Jesus will say, you're going to miss out. Um, So you commit to following Jesus. Step one, and then two, receive God's blessings. That's it. You commit to following Jesus and receive the blessings that he will pour into your life. This is called grace. This is grace. It's undeserved favor from God. Genesis 12 um, is the beginning of this covenant of grace that God makes with Abram. Okay, God enters into this contractual, covenantal promise with Abram that promises him all of these blessings. We're going to look at that in more detail in the weeks to come. And so we need to know, and you need to know, that a relationship with God begins with God's grace. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You just need to commit to following Jesus. Just commit your heart. Say, Lord, I have not been living for you. I have not been living in a relationship with you. I'm sorry. I want to confess that. Please forgive me. Normally, the first blessing that people receive when they commit to Jesus is the blessing of forgiveness. God says, I will wipe away all your sins. I will assuage all the guilt. Because you're trusting in the one who died for your sins. And then God will adopt you. And then he will regenerate you. He'll give you a new heart. He'll then pour out his spirit into your life. And everything about you will begin to change. Jesus came for this purpose. He came to save us. Jesus lived for you. He died for you, and he rose for you. That is the central message of the Bible, and that is the way that we receive the blessings of God. It's by orienting our lives around Jesus. If you make him the Son and you revolve around him, You will experience the blessings of God and God will fill your cup to overflowing. Psalm 23, right? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's the promise of God, that God blesses you. Our third point is the call, the call of God. I'm not going to give you the blank just yet, just yet. But here's the call. We see it in Abram's life in verse 3. I mean, really, it's it's verse 2 and then also verse 3, but that phrase, the last phrase in verse 2, so that you will be a blessing, that word so, I would circle that. Circle the word so. Because all the blessings that come from God, they have a purpose. They have a purpose. God wants you to experience the blessings yourself. He wants you to be transformed and... Um, moved deeply by the blessings that he pours out in your lives. And he also wants you to be a blessing to others. The call of God is that you would be a blessing to others. That's the blank there for number three that you would be a blessing to others. So God pours these blessings into Abram and wants Abram to share these blessings with others. Right? God's doing something new. Right? He is starting over, making up a new, with one man a new family, a new nation to bless all the other nations of the earth. And the last thing God wants is for Abram to hoard the blessings of God. God's design is that the blessings Abram receives he then shares with others. And the same thing is true for us. If you consider the cost, and you come to Jesus, and you experience the promise of the blessings, you also need to realize that there's a call, that God calls you to then be a blessing to others. We are called by God to share with others the blessings that we receive. Every blessing that we receive comes with a handle and a spout. Okay? It comes with a handle and a spout. When you begin a relationship with Jesus and begin to walk with God in your life, what happens is that your cup becomes a pitcher God turns your cup into a pitcher okay every blessing I would write this down every blessing that you receive from God you know you get a gift and sometimes you get um, you get something electronic and sometimes there'll be a little package right on top that has the batteries in it you know and it, you start to open the little one first because you want to save the best for last. and they, No, 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 don't open that, right? Because if you open the batteries, you'd be like, you, know, you kind of know what it is. So you open up the big one, and then you get these batteries so that you can make it work. Every blessing that you receive from God is a gift. And with every gift that you receive from God, there's another gift, a little package. And in that package, there is a handle and a spout. Okay? That's the difference between a cup and a pitcher. Right? Look, these things are relatively the same. Even the patterns are the same. The only difference between this and this is a handle and a spout. Right? God turns your cup into a pitcher. Why? Well, because He wants you to experience His blessings, same as before, right? God wants you to experience all of His blessings. And he gives you a handle and a spout. Why? Because there's people in your life. You have friends. You have family members. And they desperately need what you have received from God. Are you with me? Every blessing that you get from God comes with a handle and a spout. Every blessing that you receive is designed to find its way into your heart so that it can find its way into your life and experience so that you also would be able to share it with someone else. God turns our cup into a pitcher God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And really, I think this is a good way for us to measure spiritual maturity. Like, it's a good way to diagnose your own spiritual maturity. Seems to me like there's really three steps in the process of growing spiritually. Okay? The first step is just to experience the blessings. Right? As you experience the blessings, God pours into you. Okay? And that's how it works. At the beginning, as you begin to see how amazing Jesus is, you understand what he's done for you, you begin to commit to him, and you begin to receive the blessings of forgiveness, the blessings of a new heart, a new attitude, a new, a new desire for life. Right? That's the beginning steps. Right? You experience the blessings. Well, the second step <clears throat> seems very much like the, the, the next step is that you begin to share those blessings that you receive. You tell other people about them. Okay, you tell other people about them. So you begin to pour out from you into others. And so the second step is really sharing with others. And I'm talking about sharing with other Christians in the church. Because we all need to hear how God is working in each other's lives. You need to hear how God is blessing the other people so that you can Oh, you know what? I didn't know that was a blessing that comes in the package of following Jesus. I was not aware. Tell me more about that. Help me understand that so that I can experience that. Right? And then we share it with non-Christians as well. And so we experience first. Second, we share. And then third, the, the next step, and this is a step that unfortunately most people don't ever make. Unfortunately, most Christians don't ever make this third step. And that's the step where they actually Help other people to experience and share the blessings of Jesus. Okay? The difference there is that if you share, you're just telling somebody else, which is a good thing. You're just telling them, hey, this is what it's like, or here's a blessing that I received. And then just kind of leaving it at that. But when you help someone else experience God's blessings, you sort of take some responsibility. Um. You ask them, so, do you understand this? Um, So, do you know how to experience this yourselves? If not, let's talk about that. Let's study the Bible together. Let's pray together for us to be able to experience this. Right? And then um, what is most amazing, I think, is when God will deliver the handle and the spout to someone else through you. When you will teach someone else how to help them to give them the handle on the spout so that they begin to pour their blessings into others. This is what we're going to be thinking about this whole year. Like each one of us becoming pitchers who help other people become pitchers, who help other people become pitchers. Because in that way, we will be following the journey of faith that begins here for Abram. This is God's call. And you can start right now. Maturity in that sense of experiencing, sharing, and then helping others. It can start right now today for all of you. You just want to think, what are the blessings that I've experienced? What do I like about Jesus? Why am I a Christian? Right? These are questions that sort of get at what really matters to you about your relationship with God. And as you ask yourself those questions, ask yourself, so... How could I share these blessings with someone else? How could I tell somebody else about these? How could I find out if other people have experienced these things or not? If they have, great, we could rejoice together. And if they haven't, how could I help them see how they could experience this? And then for the folks that I know that are in my community group or that I'm friends with, how could I help remind, keep me reminded but also remind other people that you know what all these blessings come with a handle on a spout my hope is that each one of us will commit to this that you all right now will commit that this year between now and the end of the summer next year that you will become this that your cup i mean because what's exciting is that as you press in to Jesus your your pitcher will get bigger. Your handle will become easier to manage. It'll become more accessible. You know, sometimes you get handles that are, like, really tiny, you know, and they're hard to grab onto, and you can't actually fill it up very much because you can't hold onto it if it's, you know, if it's heavy, right? The spout. Like, your spout. Some of you community group leaders, possibly, you know, you're going to develop a spout that's actually got, like, three different you know, I mean, you just kind of run with the image, right? You can kind of make stuff up. But the idea is that all of us would grow, that our cups would become pitchers, and that we would be invested in the lives of each other and the folks outside our church who don't know Jesus. That's what we're aiming at. That's what we're going for. That's what this year is all about. Are you willing to commit? Does this sound like a vision that's inspiring to you? I would invite every one of you. I'd write it down in your bulletin and say, I want to be a pitcher. Just write that down. If you need help, let us know. I want to be a pitcher. I don't know how. I want to be a pitcher. Here's where I think I need to grow in order for me to be a pitcher. Maybe it's I need to know how to be filled. That's what we're going to talk about next week. So next week, come back next week. Because next week, we're going to talk about how do we get filled. And then the following week, we're going to talk about how do we fill others. Okay, we're going to take the cup and then the handle and the spout and go deeper. For Abram, what's amazing is that this wasn't just a one-time experience. Okay, what you see in verses 4 through 7 is that Abram responds. Abram goes. He goes... As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He was 75 years old, folks. Some of you, 75 years old, and Abram decides to leave everything and commit himself to experiencing God's blessings so that he can be a blessing to others. 75 years old. Okay, it's not too late for some of you. I mean, really, second half of life is not about giving up, right? It's about handling a spout, in a sense. The first half of life might be about growing the sides of your cup. And the second half of life might be learning how to pour it in to others. We'll talk more about this in the next couple weeks. Um, so Abram follows. And what does Abram do? It's so... Um, the, the very end of verse 7, it says, So he there built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So Abram's response to this was to go. He trusted God and went. And when he went, he got into the land and he built an altar. He built an altar, which means he worshipped. He worshipped. One of the best ways for you to keep your picture full is to Worship. So come back here for that reason next week, right? Because when we're here in worship on Sundays, God is filling us up. But then daily, right, spend time. I challenge all of you to read and devote yourself to the story of Abram. Genesis 12 to Genesis 25. Over the next three weeks, read it. Just read it again and again and again. Watch what happens to Abram. It is so amazing when God is your teacher and your guide, because it's not easy. It's not easy. He hits all kinds of challenges, some that will kind of weird you out, others that will make you think, man, I deal with this every day. And Abram will encourage you, and we'll look more at him in the weeks to come. Folks, what kind of church would we be? What kind of church would we be if every Sunday we came here, a giant group of pitchers, Right? How would our community groups be if these small groups gathered together and everybody was a pitcher right? experiencing God's blessings and sharing them with others? What will our neighbors and our co-workers and our non-Christian friends think if this begins to characterize our lives? Talk about a great name. Man, we will be known as a church that cares about people and does tangible, practical things to serve the city. Are you in? I hope so. I hope so. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to give you this year and ask that you would bless us so that we would be a blessing to others. Lord, blessing without call. Experiencing your blessings can lead us to laziness or complacency or even pride. Lord, trying to be a blessing to others without experiencing your blessings, well, that's us running on empty. And so we need both, Lord, and I pray that you would give us both. Give us your blessings and help us today, this week, to see opportunities for us to share your blessings with others. And Lord, for those who are here who aren't Christians, I pray this would be the day, this image of a picture, of having you fill us up so that we be poured out into others, so that we would be a blessing to others, that that would so rivet people that it would draw them to the cross and the resurrection, would draw them to you, where you've wiped away all of our sins and where your love flows out to fill us all up. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Amen.